We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Speaking of the importance of a regular season game, you won't find a more important regular season game than what happened last night in Milwaukee between the Lakers and the Bucks. And this is one of the few games that I hope you all stayed up for. It sure as hell was worth it. If you did not, we're going to break it down now with our good friend, Steve Cerruti, the host of Scallon Pals on the radio.com app. Steve, good to see you, my friend. Happy Friday. I was so excited for this basketball game. I don't get really excited for regular season NBA games, but it sure felt like a playoff game. And, And you tell me, it felt like to every player, on both of those teams, this was a very important statement game. Yeah, well, thanks, guys, for having me on. It's great to be on the show. Um, I will say, you know, for all those people that missed maybe Thursday night football in the NFL, you were treated with what was a great game last night on a Thursday night. So I hope all those people that were, you know, that that didn't get to see like a Jaguars-Titans game were excited about a really good matchup in the NBA. (laughs) And uh, so, listen, yes, it was a playoff atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. I said yesterday on, on our show that, I thought it meant I thought it probably meant more to the Bucks. I don't think the Lakers really have anything to prove. I mean, there are people that are oh. going to be out there and say that, you know, Anthony Davis uh, has only won one playoff series in his career, and which is accurate, but he's really never had the, the the team around him or obviously play with a guy like LeBron James. So I don't think they had a ton to prove, but I do think that they wanted to go out and show. I think LeBron wants to win the MVP this year. I wanted I think he wanted to show that he was still maybe a better player than Giannis. And Giannis really stole the show last night and the Bucks are a really impressive team. We look at them and we go, oh, it's just Giannis and a bunch of guys. But I do like those bunch of guys. I mean, they don't have an Anthony Davis. They don't have another superstar, but they, they, they are really deep. They've got a lot of guys that can just knock down shots. And not a lot of teams in the league can say that. So, yes, it was a playoff atmosphere last night. I was really impressed with the Bucks, And most importantly, I was really imp- impressed with Giannis, a guy who is probably looking like he's going to repeat as MVP this year, knocking down five of his eight threes. And a lot of them from, like, you know, deep, deep, 27-plus feet. So it was a hell of an atmosphere last night, a great win for the Bucs. And in a, a, a game that I think the Bucs probably wanted to win a little bit more than the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. It just it just felt really important to both of these teams. And look, LeBron has made no secret. This regular season really matters to him. He's not going with the load management thing. But the question I have about this Lakers team is obvious and it's off the bench. It was 34 to 4. Bucks bench scoring over the Lakers. How much of a weakness is that a liability for this Lakers team? I think it's a little bit of a liability. I mean, obviously they didn't have Kyle Kuzma last night, who um, you know is arguably a starter or a bench player, depending on you know what what the matchup is. And I think you know he would knock somebody else to the bench. They've got they're okay. I mean, I think they're they're they are actually probably deeper than I thought. Their front court, obviously with Dwight Howard coming off the bench, Javale McGee is really good. I think they could probably use another reliable scorer, playmaker type. I mean, because you wouldn't look at Rajon Rondo as that way. Contavious Caldwell Pope's not a guy. I mean, he had I, he's had some good games uh, recently, and he's looked better than maybe a lot of people thought that he would be uh but I do think they could probably use another scoring option playmaker off the bench I mean obviously Andre Iguodala is the guy that everybody's talking about when it comes to the trade deadline the 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 Grizzlies or 
still holding out hope that they can get it. They're probably going to get it. Uh, they they, they want to get something back from him. They're not just going to buy him out. And he's probably the number one name for both the Clippers and the Lakers as a guy to bring in a veteran who can, you know, he's versatile on both sides of the ball. Um, but I think the Lakers probably need him a lot more than the Clippers do. So I, I think it is a problem. But uh, we always knew this. I mean, the Lakers are going to be run. They, they are run by their two stars. They're run by Anthony Davis and they're run by LeBron James. And everything that that, that the Lake, all the Lakers success that they have is set up by those two guys. And they had okay games last night, not great. Anthony Davis was not great from three. LeBron had a triple-double, but I still think that he wasn't playing to peak LeBron that we've seen this year. So I think they're just going to – I mean, they could certainly use another guy off the bench some more scoring, but I think they're just they're going to live and die off of those two guys. And, I mean, I had them in the finals. I had them winning the finals because I think that they, I think they're the best duo in the league, and I just, I'm just i going to ride with those guys the you know for, for, for the whole year. But um, I think you know I, they could use a guy. I don't know if they'll get one, but I don't think it's necessarily an Achilles heel that they don't have enough scoring off the bench. Saruti, good to talk with you, man. I enjoyed uh, listening to you from time to time at your previous stop. So congrats on the gig at Radio.com Sports, and good to actually get a chance to talk with you. So you know I'm an NFL guy. I'm a football guy. I don't really get into the NBA until after the Super Bowl, (laughs) if we're being honest. I mean, I pay attention. I know what's going on. But part of that also, Saruti, is so often – it feels like regular season games don't mean that much. I know you said that it means more for the Bucs than it does for the Lakers, but can you sell me on it really meaning anything? I mean, we already know they're both good. They're in different conferences. We already know they're both going to at least probably be in the conference finals in their respective conferences. So I guess I'm having a tough time really caring about that, <laughs> that much about last night's game. Tell me if I'm wrong. No, I mean that's you're right. That is that is sort of the problem with the league is that the, the regular season has been completely devalued. It's all about championships. It's almost like the Jordification of 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 sports really and specifically the NBA where it's like nothing else matters but winning titles. And the one thing that I'll push back on you with like, you're you're 100% right. Like both of these teams are probably going to be in the conference finals. I, I had Bucks Lakers as the final. I don't think necessarily a Bucks win means anything. It means that, you know, it's not going to mean anything come June if these two teams meet uh meet up in the finals. I will say that LeBron, I think going into this year, does care about the regular season more than he might have in the past because this is the first this is the first summer where I think, you know, maybe since the Steph Curry couple years when he won back-to-back MVPs where people are really questioning whether or not LeBron had lost a step or whether or not he was still the best player in the league. Obviously Kawhi is coming off of a finals win and a finals MVP. You've got Giannis who's the reigning MVP and people are saying, "Hey, is is LeBron still that dude? Can he still be that dude?" So from a from a fan perspective, all right, yeah, maybe this game it, it won't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things because I think by the time these two teams, if they do end up playing in June, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna be different teams by then. But I do think from a player's perspective, I think LeBron cares. I think he wants to win the MVP this year. I think he's he would be 34. I think he'd be the second or third oldest guy to win it. And he wants to. I mean, you see it on Instagram and Twitter all the time, guys. He's doing the the hashtag Wash King thing. Like he hears the narrative about him not being as good as he uh, people thinking he's not as good as he used to be. So I do think he cares about the regular season and Giannis as well. Giannis has said multiple times, load management, I don't care, I want to play, I'm playing, I'm playing, and he has, to this point, sort of proved that correctly. Really, the only team that is aggressively load managing players right now is the, is the Clippers, and with yeah, obviously it's with Kawhi Leonard and, and uh, Paul George. Paul George is coming off a shoulder injury, so you're right in that it doesn't really mean anything in the, in the grand scheme of things, but I think it was just a game that we could enjoy and hopefully something that we could look forward to come June when we maybe see these teams in the finals. All right, so I want to get on the LeBron thing and the load management thing because he's pretty old now and he's been playing forever 
and he's still a pretty big dude. I know he came out and said, I'm not doing load management. If I'm healthy, I'm playing, and people come to see me. But do you really think that that is the best strategy, knowing how long the playoffs are, knowing how long the, the regular season is, do you think that that is a smart strategy for him to not load management at all? Oh, I, I I think if he plays 80 games this year, it's a it's it's it would be dumb. I really do. I mean, I you know I still think he could win an MVP playing 70 plus, but if he he shouldn't be playing anywhere near 82 games. I mean, it does the regular season for his. I mean, I know we do this legacy talk thing. I don't always love the legacy talk thing, but let's be honest, guys. Like the only thing that matters for him is winning championships, and you know playing 80 something games in the regular season doesn't matter at all. And he is there as as great as he's looked at age 34. He's still 34 and going on 35, and he still has some mileage on him. He obviously, you know, last year he didn't, the Lakers didn't make the playoffs, so he got a, a much-needed rest that he hadn't had in probably eight or so years. But you're 100% right. I, I don't think there's any reason why he should be pushing himself to the limits in this regular season. And the ironic part about him and those comments the other day about load management and how he doesn't believe in it is, like, listen, I'm not going to knock LeBron for, for 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 games played because LeBron has played for the most part 70 plus games in almost all of his for almost his entire career. But I mean, do you guys remember a couple of years ago when he was on? I think it was his first year in Cleveland when he took like a two week break in the middle of January and February and just went to Miami and hang out and like kind of mentally and physically got himself right. He wasn't necessarily injured. He just kind of did that. It was a hiatus. He came back and ended up kind of killing it for the rest of the year. That was a form of load management, guys. He took two weeks off in the middle of the season and it was honestly proved to be good for him. It was the, it was a good thing for both he. And and the team. So I, I'm not a big load manager. Like I don't like, you know, I don't I don't like that the Clippers have been sort of secretive about what the what the Kawhi load management things was, but I do understand it. Like it makes sense to me. It makes sense to want to be fresh for the playoffs because ultimately for a lot of these guys, the regular season just does not matter the way that it used to. It doesn't winning MVPs and winning and, and, and scoring titles, like it only really matters to guys like James Harden. And look at the success. I'm not saying they're tied together, but look at the playoff failures that James Harden has had. So if I'm LeBron, there's no way, there's no way I'm exerting myself for anywhere near 80 games this season. Talking to Steve Cerruti, the host of Scallon Pals, you mentioned James Harden. Well, it looks like the experiment is beginning to work. Rockets over the Clippers in Los Angeles tonight. And you know what? Last night, and it's amazing with Harden these days. He puts up 50 points. No one even blinks. How do you put his offensive greatness in perspective? And is that experiment beginning to work? Are they a legit contender in the West? Uh, I would say no to the last to the last question there. I, you know, listen, yeah. I I was so I thought that they would be a really good regular season team. I think Mike D'Antoni has proven Rockets head coach has proven that he's been able to get the most out of his teams in the regular season, even if the if the pieces don't necessarily fit. My question about the Rockets has always been in the playoffs and whether or not Russell Westbrook is going to hit open shots, and he hasn't yeah. really done it a ton this year because we, we know what's going to happen come playoff time. Um, the, the defense ramps up, the rotations shrink, and those two are going to have to probably be on the court together maybe more than they are right now. And the ball is, is going to be in James Harden's hand. It's going to be in J James Harden is the guy. He's the he's a, he's an MVP. Um, he's the he's the scoring champion. Like that is the leader of the Rockets team. He the ball is going to be in his hands no matter what. And yeah, there are going to be times when Russ is going to do his thing. But for the most part, Russ is going to have to hit open shots in the playoffs, specifically open threes in the playoffs. And for the last four years, Russ has just not been able to do that. He's a bad spot up shooter. Um, I mean, he's a bad shooter in general, really. I know he's kind of figured it out a little bit lately, but in the early part of that season, it was looking horrific. So I just I have major questions about how that team fits together uh, in the playoffs. I, I think they're going to be a good regular season team. They'll probably figure out they'll probably end up finishing as a top four seed in the Western Conference just because of how talented they are and with the system that Dan Tony runs. But I just I, 
you know, and I, I'm a I'm a Russ apologist, guys. Like I, I I really am. I mean, I I love watching him. I know the flaws are there. I just love how hard he plays. Um, and even if even if he's a flawed player, I still respect the heart and hustle that he brings there. But I just don't see him hitting hitting enough open shots come playoff time for this team to really go on a title run. All right, so I want to stay on Harden, Saruti for a second because I, I find him fascinating. Everything about him, the style of play. So. He has the ball in his hands all the time. You know, they don't let you be as physical as on defense as they used to back in the day. And he either creates for himself or creates for somebody else. Like, are you blown away by what he's able to do night in, night out? Or do you look at it and say, you know what? I could name 10 guys now and over the course of the last 20 years that could do the same thing if they happen to be the guy that D'Antonio said, uh, Mike D'Antonio said, Here, you're, you're the guy. Here you go, Mike D'Antonio. Here, you're my guy. It feels like whoever he appoints as the guy is almost able to do this or something close to this. You're right. I mean, look at Steve Nash and, and those Phoenix Suns teams in the 2000s. I mean, he would turned him in, not that Steve Nash wasn't a great player, but turned him into a two-time MVP because of how great his system is. I, Scal gets mad at me because I, I hate watching James Harden. I really do. I, it's not that I don't respect his game. I just, I hate watching. There's no ball movement. It doesn't look like any of the players are really that engaged. I mean, other than like PJ Tucker, <laughs> everyone's basically just standing on the three-point arc waiting for the ball to yeah. maybe come to them. And it's really hard I mean, I mean, listen. It's really hard if you if you're if you're playing your if you're playing your ass off on defense and you're and you're you know make, you know making multiple efforts to try to do things and you're not getting the ball on offense. That's a really hard thing over the course of 82 games to do to not get rewarded for the things that you're doing on the other side of the court. So, you know, I, you know, it seems like those guys like they 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 like Harden. I'm not saying they don't like Harden or anything like that or don't like playing with him, but that does wear on you. And you know, the scoring is great. Okay, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not going to sit here and try to downplay it, but if you look at the adva- uh, the advanced numbers, Giannis is just as great per 36 minutes at scoring as as James Harden is. They're both averaging about a point per possession. So Giannis is just playing less minutes. So it's not like, you know, if, if Giannis wanted to go out and average 40, Giannis could probably go out and average 42. Now it would, it would look like a very different 40. A lot of that would be, you know, dunks and, and just being dominant in the paint, whereas Harden's obviously doing a lot of that from the outside. Um, so it, it is great, but it's not like it's unprecedented. And again, I don't want to be a hater, but I guess I'm going to come off as being a hater. We've seen it. We've seen it fail multiple times in the playoffs. We've seen this style yeah. and his style fail miserably many times, whether it's being up three, two against the Rockets, whether it's game six against the Spurs. Um, what was that? You know, five, six years ago where he just was a complete no show. Um, there, and there's a number of different reasons for why that is the case. Now, do I think they're incapable of winning a title? No, I think James Harden's good enough to yeah. win a title, but I don't think. And I'll say this, Ross, to your point, too. I don't think there are, like, a handful of other guys that can do what Harden is doing right now. My my point, though, is that I don't know if what he's doing equates to winning championships. And I think at the end of the day, that's the biggest problem with his game. Yeah, I, I'm with you in the skeptical column. Talking to Steve Cerruti, though, to Scal and Pals. Um, apologies here for asking you a sensitive question. I'm curious how you're going to cover on Scal and Pals a guy who has won a couple of championships, Steph Curry. Uh, did you see what happened there while he's trending on Twitter this morning? Uh-oh, I did not. Whoa, what did I miss? Okay. <laughs> um, well, you missed a lot. You may want to be careful how much, uh, oh, no. how closely you look for this story. Okay. Th- there is um, there's a lot out there 
on Steph Curry this morning. I'm not sure how it got out there, but it should make for some interesting content for Scallon Pals, not what Steph Curry wanted out there about him on Twitter. So let me then skip past that towards college basketball and the big story in the country. James Wiseman is done at Memphis after three games. He's a 20 and 10 guy, but he only played three games. We believe he is a top three pick in the NBA draft. He gets the 12 game suspension because of Penny Hardaway giving him 11, five when he was a high school coach well, Penny is a booster because he gave a million dollars to the alma mater Memphis, where he is now the head coach. My question to you is, what does the NCAA learn here? They chase away a premier talent who basically says, I'm not going to pay back $11,500. I'm going to do what's best for the business of James Wiseman. Is this a breaking point for the NCAA? And what is your takeaway from this whole mess? Well, I don't know if it's a breaking point because I think there's it's already there, it's already in the works to sort of have this one and done thing go away because it's clearly not working. Um, these guys don't want to be in college, and I don't. I'm, I'm not blaming them. I don't. I, if they don't want to be there, there's no reason why we, why we should make them go to college when in just about every other walk of life you're able to go pro, and if you're good enough, you're able to go pro. Now, a lot of guys we see a lot of other guys going overseas. Um, the one thing that I think the NBA is going to want to do in the next couple of seasons, and I think it's I think they want to do this in probably by 2022 is what uh, is what we've heard is that they're going to basically open up the G League and make that make more two-way contracts and have guys go straight to the league, maybe not straight to the NBA, but into the G League where they can get paid, they can play professional basketball and sort of work their way up and not have to go the college route. I don't understand, guys, the... You know, I'm not and I'm not one of these people that's like an NCAA hater, but I also don't understand what the point of them going after guys like James Wiseman is. Like, yeah. do they... Like we all the people that want to watch the NCAA tournament want to watch a team like Memphis that with James Wiseman, this skilled seven-footer who potentially could be the number one pick in the draft. We don't know. I mean, there it's kind of up in the air, whether it's, you know, LaMelo Ball, obviously, who's playing overseas, um, the kid from Georgia. So there's, it, it is sort of up in the air, and he's one of the most skilled guys. You want you want to see that guy in March Madness. So why why the NCAA goes out of their way to sort of try to, you know, punish this guy and kick him out, it, it just it doesn't make any, any, any real sense to me. But, but we have to remember, it is an NBA rule. The one-and-done rule is an NBA rule. It is not an NCAA rule. So Technically, it is the N the NBA that is putting the NCAA in this position. Now, the NCAA isn't, doesn't help themselves by any means by the way that they sort of legislate and, and give out punishments for it. But I, you know, whether or not whether or not uh, Penny Hardaway was a booster or not for James Wiseman, like who cares? Like all we want to do as basketball fans is watch him play. And I don't blame him whatsoever for just saying, you know, I don't need you guys. Screw this. I'm going to go and work out on my own because that's not going to hurt his draft stock. Like NBA teams and NBA guys that are that, 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 that have top five or so picks aren't going to look at this and go, Oh, he's a quitter. He quit at Memphis. They're going to go. Yeah, it's a stupid system and he's super talented. So we're going to take him anyway, because we're going to take the talent and try to get him in our building. So the NCAA is really only shooting themselves in the foot here. They're not harming anybody else. And I don't, don't understand why they keep doing this, but it looks like there is some sort of end in sight for that uh, coming in 2022. I hate to keep agreeing with you, man, but the only one who's hurt here are we the fans because yes. he's one of a handful of players in college basketball right now that I want to see play. I don't, I mean, we don't know the names of these guys. Number one teams get knocked off on a regular basis right now by unranked teams. There are a handful of guys mm -hmm. we want to see play. The NCAA is the reason we're not. It sucks. And I'll, and I'll say this really quick, too. I mean, just just yeah. just for a, a pro NCAA, I guess, argument. And it's not really a pro argument, but I know like 
these these kids do benefit from going to college in some ways. Like look at look at Zion Williamson last year. Ross, I'd be interested to get your perspective on this. But like Zion Williamson is not Zion Williamson right now. The 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 multi million dollar Nike endorsement and the, the basically the the you know the, the the famous guy, one of the most famous basketball players on earth. If he didn't go to Duke last year, right? Like Duke <laughs> helped him right. make his image what it is now. So it's not like these college. It's not like these kids get nothing out of the college. And I, if, if Wiseman went on a deep run in March and they end up cutting down the nets and winning a Final Four, maybe winning a national championship, his stock goes up because of that. But and, and it wouldn't do that if he was playing in Australia or Italy or wherever some of these guys are playing, or in the G League, for example. So there is a benefit to playing in the NCAA. I am obviously pro. I think these guys should be able to make money off their likeness. I'm not really sure about paying athletes. I'm not sure how we would really get there financially. But we, we also shouldn't pretend, even though the NCAA is kind of shooting themselves in the foot, we, we, we can't pretend that the NCAA doesn't help these kids as well. So, Rudy, it's a really good point. Uh, Zion used Duke's brand and Duke's national TV exposure to make tens of millions of dollars Exactly. that he otherwise wouldn't have. And he earned it, and he's awesome. And yes, he should still switch to tight end, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> um, but I love that dude. Uh, but he doesn't become the star he became if he's playing somewhere else. Now, Wiseman, they say he might be the number one pick. So I don't know if playing this year would have helped his draft stock per se, but absolutely in terms of branding and marketing. Plus, what people forget, Sarudi, is these guys go to a whole semester of college. That's like eight credits towards their degree. <laughs> They're killing it. They're, I'm sure... I'm sure they're taking advanced level, you know, uh, AP classes. I mean, well. they, the they are classes. only they, they are only three and a half years away from their degree after yep. they stop going to class in January. Think about that. I mean, they, wow. they are getting they're getting 12 credits of legitimate college education, too. <laughs> right. Right. You yep. know, it was a very interesting point you made about Zion. And you're right. And that, and Wiseman, quite frankly, because of all this controversy, is now the biggest name in college basketball. It's been really awesome having you on, brother. We appreciate the time. And we will be watching the show in, what do we got, uh, just a couple of hours. Steve Cerruti from Scal and Pals on the Radio.com app. Uh, good luck with Steph Curry. Thank you. I just looked it up, so you guys kind of ruined my morning, but I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, then I should say you're welcome, Steve. Good to have you, my friend. Merry Christmas. Thanks, guys. You too. Happy holidays. Take it easy, guys. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.